Welcome to Medical Student StudyCast, the podcast to help third-year medical students study for clerkships, where I have the questions and you have the answers. Hi. I am your host, Josh Bradford, a third-year medical student at Rocky Vista University. The goal of this podcast is to help medical students study for high-yield topics and actively test knowledge. I used several resources and picked out some of the highest-yield information. This podcast uses a question-and-answer format which can help test and gauge what you know and help identify the knowledge gaps. I encourage you to do your best to actively answer the questions. This is Psychiatry Medications Part 2. We're just going to jump right back into that. So if you haven't listened to Psychiatry Medications Part 1, I'd highly recommend going back and listening to that first. In this episode, we are going to cover SSRIs and other antidepressant medications, random other treatments, and then the rapid review. Enjoy the rest of the episode, and thanks for listening to Medical Student StudyCast. We're going to move on to antidepressant medications. What is the first-line medication and depression. This is either SSRIs or SNRIs. Remember, both of those options are first line. So if there's both SSRI or SNRI as answer choices, really pay attention and look at what could be differentiating between the two of those or if there's a reason to do a non-first line agent. How long should you do a trial of these medications to see if they're helping to decrease the depression? The trial should be six weeks long. So if the medication is effective after the six weeks, how long do you treat for? Again, six, six months this time, six months to a year. This decreases the recurrence of depression. And uh, if you do shorter than that or excessively longer, it can lead to a recurrence of depression once the medication is stopped. So you want to do six weeks to see if it works and then six months if it works. What is better than SSRI treatment? All right, I'm being a little tricky here. This is SSRI and psychotherapy. Together, these are always better than each one separately. What are the most common side effects of SSRIs? This includes weight gain, decreased sex drive, anorgasmia, and prolonged ejaculation. Along that line, What else can SSRIs be used for? So rarely you might get the case of someone who has premature ejaculation. They're given an SSRI and it's not used for the depression. It's used to prolong ejaculation. Moving on, you have another depressed patient that comes in your clinic, this time a 15-year-old with decreased interest some sad mood, guilt. What should you watch out for if prescribing antidepressants to an adolescent? Really pay attention to suicidal ideation. There's a black box warning on SSRIs that suicide in anyone under 25 years old is a potential. Now, my preceptor described this because there's an initial decreased psychomotor retardation, so they have more motivation to get up and go. But the improvement in mood can sometimes take another couple of weeks. So they can still have the depressed and suicidal ideation, but suddenly have the motivation to act out that suicidal ideation. Now, what are some other medical conditions that SSRIs and SNRIs can be used as first-line agents to treat? General anxiety disorder, PTSD, obsessive-compulsive disorder, bulimia, 
are just a few examples. These are very useful agents. Honestly, if they're an answer choice, really think hard about why they shouldn't be chosen. SSRIs are very commonly used. Which SSRI has the longest half-life? This is fluoxetine. Remember, fluoxetine has the longest half-life. So the half-life flies with fluoxetine. Which SSRI has the most drug-drug interactions? This would be paroxetine. So paroxetine has the most drug-drug interactions. And which one has the fewest drug-drug interactions? Citalopram. Citalopram has the fewest drug-drug interactions. So in pregnant women, fluoxetine and citalopram are both often used. Now, a 51-year-old uh, with a long-standing history of diabetes and fibromyalgia comes in because of low motivation, depressed mood, insomnia, and decreased energy. What medication should he be given? Pay attention to anything they give besides the regular de um, depression diagnosis information. So in this case, diabetes and fibromyalgia can potentially have neuropathic pain. So you would give an SNRI such as venlafaxine or duloxetine. They tend to treat neuropathic pain much better as well as help treat the depression. SNRIs also tend to have fewer side effects, but again, they can be more expensive, and that's why they're not given to everyone all the time. What do we want to watch out for in this patient if we give him venlafaxine? Especially for venlafaxine, watch out for a worsening hypertension and a flu-like illness if you miss a dose. Okay, worsening hypertension in venlafaxine I kind of think about this as the SNRI, you know, it's a norepinephrine, and norepinephrine increases blood pressure, so worsening hypertension. And then it can have the flu-like illness, um, like some of those short-acting SSRIs as well. What other chemical, when taken with enlofaxine, can worsen the hypertension? This would be St. John's wort, because there's a drug-drug interaction there. Now, you have a patient who's on antipsychotics and warfarin, um, but you still want to put her on an SSRI. What do you need to watch out for? So if you ever hear warfarin, just think CYP450 inhibitors. SSRIs, several of them, are common CYP450 inhibitors. So this can increase the efficacy of both the warfarin and the antipsychotics. So Sorry, not efficacy, but it increases the amount in the blood because it's not being degraded by the, by the liver. Now, what is the first-line SSRI in pediatrics? In a pediatric patient, fluoxetine has shown to have um, more efficacy and safer use. It also has a longer half-life, and because of that, it protects against a missed dose. Its half-life is something like a week, and so four to five half-lives is like four to five weeks, and it almost has a natural taper. Next, a patient comes in, recently diagnosed with cancer, and is feeling really depressed. What do you do? Alright, if there's real depression, always treat the depression. But why should you treat the depression? So treat depression in any sort of long-term condition because depression lowers life expectancy. It makes sense because if they're depressed and have low motivation, they're less likely to show up for chemotherapy or take any other sort of medications or just take care of their body with exercise and good nutrition as they need to. So what are some other long-term diseases, some chronic diseases that you want to keep an eye out for treating depression in?
Like I mentioned, there's cancer, but also long-term heart disease, end-stage renal disease, HIV, anything like that. Moving on from SSRIs, what drug should be given to a young, depressed male who's overweight with erectile dysfunction and wants to quit smoking? This is a perfect case presentation. It's got all the necessary features for bupropion. Bupropion. <laughs> Not bupropion. Bupropion. What is the mechanism of action of bupropion? Bupropion is a dopamine and serotonin, serotonin reuptake inhibitor. My uh, psychiatry preceptor like to say that it tickles the dopamine receptor. So it's one of the things that can really help fight anhedonia by returning enjoyment to pleasurable activities. What's the biggest adverse effect of bupropion? These are seizures, especially if the person is alcoholic, bulimic, or has a history of epilepsy. So watch out for alcoholic, bulimics, or history of epilepsy in anyone that you're considering giving bupropion to. But otherwise, it's very effective because it doesn't have the sexual dysfunction, tends to be pretty weight neutral, doesn't gain weight, and it can be useful in an, as an adjunct to help quit smoking. Moving on to the next case, what do you give as an antidepressant for a patient that needs help getting to sleep? This would be trazodone or nefazodone. Remember, trazodone or nefazodone. Now, what do you watch out for in males with trazodone? This is priapism or prolonged erection. You can always remember trazoboner for a prolonged boner. What medication should be given to an old skinny lady with depression and especially prolonged sleep onset? This is mirtazapine. Give mirtazapine to anyone who needs weight gain, depression, and has insomnia. Those three is like the perfect combo for mirtazapine. What else can you give mirtazapine to? So you can also give mirtazapine for anorexia if there's a major depressive component to the anorexia because it does encourage that weight gain, but it's less likely to be given than olanzapine from my understanding. Now, a 39-year-old patient has treatment-resistant medication, and after years of trying multiple medications, he is finally given a trial of amipramine. What test should be done for this patient? So remember that amipramine is a tricyclic antidepressant, and you should do an EKG or troponin test and a neuro exam. And why should you do those things? So what are the three C's of the tricyclic antidepressants? So the three C's for the side effects are coma, cardiac, and convulsions. These are the most dangerous side effects. There are other side effects, but these are the most dangerous ones. So that's why you'd want to do an EKG or troponin to understand um, if they had any high-risk factors for cardiac problems. What other conditions are tricyclics used more for? So these days, tricyclics are rarely used in the case of antidepressant unless they have tried pretty much everything else. But you can use them for neuropathic pain, especially doxepin. You can also use it for bedwetting or enuresis. That's amipramine. Or you can use it for obsessive-compulsive disorder with clomopramine. Now, the same patient showed some improvement on amipramine for the first time but it wasn't full improvement and they wanted to augment with fluoxetine. A few days later, he presents with racing heart, sweating, nausea, history of multiple falls at home. Physical exam shows subsequent myoclonical jerks, four plus reflexes, and a blood pressure of 165 over 110. What's the diagnosis? 
This is serotonin syndrome. And what's the most likely cause of serotonin syndrome in general? This would be multiple serotonin increasing medications. Always watch out for tricyclic antidepressants and MAOIs. Either one of those with some sort of SSRI, SNRI, anything like that can cause serotonin syndrome. If a patient wants to try an MAOI, how long should they wait after their SSRI is stopped? This would be two to six weeks. Now what can happen if this rule isn't followed is serotonin syndrome, just like previously mentioned. But especially watch out for if the SSRI has a long half-life. So if they're on fluoxetine, you might need to wait up to six weeks before you can try the MAOI. What is the order of antidepressant treatment barring some other problem? What do you give first? What's second line and what's last line? So SSRI and SNRI, you should try at least two different kinds. So try those twice, and then you can try an atypical such as bupropion, mirtazapine, and lastly, you can try something like an MAOI or tricyclic if it's treatment resistant. So again, SSRI twice. Now, occasionally you can stip, skip to an atypical like brupopion or mirtazapine if there's specific indication for it. But besides those two specific indications, start with SSRI twice. Since we're talking about uh, treatment, what are the primary indications for ECT during depression? This is really high yield. ECT can be used if it's treatment resistant, you've tried every medication and it's not fixing the depression. If they have pregnancy, really bad depression during pregnancy, you can use ECT. Depression with catatonia or high suicidal risk or psychotic features. So any of kind of the worst end of depression, use ECT. What's the biggest health risk for electroconvulsive therapy? If they have any sort of active cardiovascular lesions, really keep an eye out for those. But it's important to note there are no true absolute indication, contraindications for ECT. Some of the cases where you might see these in a um, patient case or if, uh, a question stem, this would be like maybe a pregnant patient with high suicidal ideation. So they might even combine two of them. Pick ECT. You might even pick it first. Not even going to try anything else because it's so important to get that depression under control. Next, we're going to move through just a few other basic medications we've kind of already covered earlier. For anxiety. Now, there's a patient who worries about most things most days of the year and for most of the year. What do you give them? Remember, this is general anxiety disorder. You give them an SSRI and a psychotherapy. Now, if they have a panic attack, what do you give them? For acute panic attack, give them a benzodiazepine and then... You can give them an SSRI to decrease the frequency of those. What if they have a public speaking anxiety? Specifically for public speaking, you can give a non-selective beta blocker such as propanolol. It decreases the heart rate and the mood response. Now, I've seen these being given for panic attacks to decrease the physiologic response as well. That tends not to be first line. A benzo is first line in an acute panic attack, but propranolol is increasing in use. What are the two best drugs for obsessive compulsive disorder? These are SSRIs and clomipramine. So clomipramine is a tricyclic antidepressant. We just talked about that earlier. What about uh, a patient with PTSD? What do you want to give first line? Again, SSRI. You can see why picking SSRI is almost always a good idea to consider. What about if they have nightmares with their PTSD? What can you give to help with the nightmares? 
So an alpha blogger like prazosin can be helpful in some patients. There is interesting data to show that it really doesn't have that much of an effect on a broad population, but there are a lot of patients that swear by it. What other problem can prazosin create? Because prazosin is an alpha blocker, it can have orthostatic hypertension. What other medication can you give for nightmares? You can also give prazodone, but uh, you want to keep an eye out because about one in four people can actually have a worsening of nightmares instead of an improvement. So trazodone occasionally. If you have a PTSD patient with hypertension and nightmares, you can always try prazosin. We are going to finish off with some major side effect comparisons. These include delirium tremens, neuroleptic malignant syndrome, serotonin syndrome, and tyramine hypertensive crisis. These can all occur and they are kind of similar, so let's talk about the differentiating factors. Okay, a patient comes in with fever, tachycardia, hypertension, diaphoresis, and agitation. That's the basis for pretty much all of these. Now, if they have hallucinations and confusion with a history of alcohol abuse, they're post-surgery. What is this? This would be delirium tremens. Now, we haven't talked about the delirium tremens in much detail yet, just keep that in mind. It's also pretty much all of these can be life-threatening. Now, the same patient with fever, tachycardia, hypertension, diaphoresis, and agitation also has a history of antipsychotic medication starting recently and intense physical rigidity. Now, this is malignant, sorry, neuroleptic malignant syndrome. The rigidity is the key here, as well as starting an antipsychotic medication. They will always give you a good history that indicates toward antipsychotic medication. So all the same uh, basic fever, tachycardia, hypertension, diaphoresis, and agitation. But in this case, they now have a headache and hypertension is most present and they just barely had a fancy dinner started on an antidepressant. What is it? This is tyramine hypertensive crisis. So what medication is that related to? This is MAOIs, monoamine oxidase inhibitors. They can cause hypertensive crisis if they're given like wines, old cheeses, um, fancy meats, stuff like that. Now it's a patient with all of those same basic features, but you add on myoclonus and hyperreflexia with four plus DTRs. What is this? This is serotonin syndrome, we already talked about it. Key is myoclonus and hyperreflexia, as opposed to neuroleptic malignant syndrome, where there's rigidity and not the hyperreflexia. Serotonin syndrome often, most often, comes from uh, overtreating with antipsychotics. Neuroleptic malignant syndrome comes from antipsychotic medications. Well, thanks for listening. We are going to end with the rapid review. This is a long section of the rapid review. It's going to cover a bunch of stuff, but it should be really good. What are the names of the high-potency first-generation antipsychotics? These are haloperidol and flufenazine. And what are their side effects? Extrapyramidal symptoms through what tract? This is the nigrostriatal tract. And then hyperprolactinemia through what tract? Tubulo-infundibular tract. So it's a D2 antagonist on both of those. A patient on haloperidol is restless and agitated. What do you give to help treat this? So this is akesthesia. Give anticholinergics, such as benzotropine, diphenhydramine, or propranolol, 
or a benzodiazepine. Now, this patient also has hand wringing and has to bend over to go down the stairs. What do they have? This is an acute dystonic reaction. The reason they have to bend over to go down the stairs is because the eyes are stuck upwards, there's the hand wringing, and there's also the torticollis that can happen. What medication do you give for this? This is benztropine or diphenhydramine, again, anticholinergics. This patient has Parkinsonian symptoms such as bradykinesia, rigidity. What do you do in this case? So we didn't talk about this as much before, but don't give a dopamine agonist here. Just lower the medication or switch to a different one. Tardive dyskinesia affects what part of the body? Remember, tardive into water, so face first. Smacking the lips and grimacing. Now there's a patient with fever, tachycardia, blood pressure of 176 over 122, rigidity, and was recently started on flufenazine. What is it? This is neuroleptic malignant syndrome. And what do you give if you don't have dantrolene to give? This is when you can give a dopamine agonist because it's life-threatening. So amantadine or bromocryptine. Now there's a patient that was treated for psychosis with complaints of dry mouth, constipation, blurry eyes, feels sedated and has passed out from standing up. Exam shows a blistering sunburn on the face and a high bilirubin. What medication was he given? So this is a low-potency antipsychotic, and it's chlorpromazine because of the photosensitive rash and jaundice. And then the low-potency antipsychotic with the anticholinergic effects, antihistamine, and anti-alpha-adrenergic. An overweight patient is placed on what second-generation antipsychotic? Now you'd want to place an overweight patient on suprazidone or aripiprazole because they're weight-neutral. Think of it as light as air for aripiprazole and zip up the zipper for ziprazidone. So they lost some weight, they can zip up their zipper. A patient with Parkinson's disease starts getting delusions and also can't get to sleep at night. What do you give them? This is quetiapine. Quetiapine is a lower potency antipsychotic and can cause sedation to help get to sleep at night. What are the worst weight gain antipsychotics? Olanzapine and clozapine. How many medications has a person had to try before they're put on clozapine? At least two. And you check the CBC for what adverse reaction? A granulocytosis or a complete lack of neutrophils. What is the best medication combo in an acutely manic patient? This would be lithium and quetiapine, or valproate and quetiapine. Then consider lamotrigine. What about an acutely agitated or psychotically manic patient? So give haloperidol for agitation and quetiapine for psychosis. Obviously there's a, there is some overlap since they're both antipsychotic medications. And then if it's resistant, consider giving ECT. What are features of lithium toxicity? ataxia slash tremor, so they might fall down, GI distress, they might have nausea or vomiting, and confusion. The EKG changes show a U wave. Now a patient treated for bipolar is successfully thirsty with polyuria that doesn't fix with water restriction. What medication caused this? This is lithium-induced diabetes insipidus. Next you have a pregnant patient who is diagnosed with bipolar. What medication should you give her? 
consider giving lamotrigine. Don't use lithium or valproate. A 42-year-old male construction worker comes in after starting paroxetine three weeks ago and says that nothing's changed. What do you do? Continue on current medication until at least six weeks. So at this point, you've waited six weeks, and now he says he's feeling much better, but he wants to get off in two months as his insurance is changing. What do you recommend? You should tell him that it's recommended he stays on it for six to 12 months to decrease the likelihood of recurrent depression. What medication should you give to a 14-year-old female with depression? Fluoxetine, and what do you need to ask about in these adolescent patients? Suicidal ideation. Next, a 44-year-old African-American male with residual back pain after a car accident asked for a medication for depression. If you were to give him venlafaxine, what should you be careful to watch? So venlafaxine is the SNRI that can help with depression and neurogenic pain, but you need to watch out for hypertension. All right, a female with scars on the back of her hands who thinks that she is fat but isn't shouldn't get what antidepressant? This is bupropion because she's bulimic and it can lower the seizure threshold. Don't give her bupropion. A 96-year-old underweight male who has trouble getting to sleep at night and low motivation after his wife died last year. What should you consider giving him? This is mirtazapine because of depression, helps with weight gain, and sleeping. What are the three C's of tricyclic antidepressants? Coma cardiac convulsions. And a 33-year-old pregnant female with a long history of resistant depression is suicidal. What is her treatment? In this case, strongly consider electroconvulsive therapy. She's pregnant, treatment resistant, and suicidal. Very likely she'll get that. Also consider it in psychotic features and catatonia that don't respond to other treatments. There is no contraindication, no absolute contraindication to ECT. Okay, thank you for listening to Medical Student Study Cast. Here is the quote of the day. The people who think that laughter is the best medicine apparently have never tried morphine. Also, laughter is the best medicine, unless you have schizophrenia, because that makes them sound crazy. If you appreciate this podcast, please consider supporting this content by donating to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash medical student study cast or at anchor.fm forward slash medical dash student dash study cast. If you have comments or concerns, please contact me at medicalstudentstudycast at gmail.com. Share what you find helpful, changes you'd like me to see, and personal experiences with the podcast. Remember, I am only a humble third-year medical student, so if I make any mistakes, feel free to let me know, and I will do my best to correct and provide the most useful, concise, and accurate study tool that I can. Disclaimer, this podcast is not meant to be the only resource of learning used for medical student clerkships. This podcast is not affiliated with Rocky Fist University and should not be used to diagnose or treat patients. I'd like to thank freemusicarchive.org for the intro and outro music.